31 days in a month, right? So I like to read the corresponding proverb for each day. And uh, uh, I just went, I, I was reading forward today and, and uh, uh, ran into this, this scripture uh, in Proverbs 25, 25. And this, keep in mind for, for next week uh, as, our, as our ambassadors, our missionaries uh, share with us. But it says, as cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Amen. So, so I believe that your thirst will be quenched next Sunday. Amen. So, so come ready to, to receive. I tell you what, you can receive something from a three-minute sermon. It'd do a lot of preachers good to only talk for three minutes. I'm not going to go three minutes today, unfortunately. You probably got all excited that you were going to beat the rush to Casa de Ora or whatever, right? Not today. All right. Praise the Lord. That went over real well. All right. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. I want to talk today about choices. Everybody say choices. Deuteronomy chapter 30. I have, a, I have a lot of things stirring in my heart, so we'll just kind of uh, see what direction the Holy Spirit wants us to go here. I've, I've jotted down a few notes, but uh, we're not necessarily bound to those. We'll just uh, see where the Holy Spirit leads us. But uh, here in Deuteronomy chapter 30, I've always loved this scripture and I've always enjoyed uh, preaching out of it uh, for the last many years. But it says here in verse 19, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 19, it says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. So we see here that uh, we have a choice. And reading that at face value, it really doesn't seem like it's a, a, a very difficult choice. Does anybody agree with me? I mean, if you have to choose between blessing and cursing, I think I'm going to choose blessing every day. How about you? Yeah. Right? And if I have to choose between death and life, I'm going to choose life every time. How about you? Right? Because when we think of blessing and cursing and death and life, we think maybe of uh, uh, of whether we live on this earth or whether we die and, and leave this earth or we think about money. But uh, uh, this, this includes every single area of our life. Do you understand that you, you can be experiencing life in one area and death in another area of your life? You, you, you can ex be experiencing extreme uh, blessing and prosperity in the realm of finance, but you, you, can, you can be experiencing death and destruction in your marriage and in your family at the same time, right? you got people, they've got more money than they know how to spend, but they're working on marriage number five or six. So can, can we say that they're prospering in the realm of marriage? No, but they've got plenty of money. There's other people, they, 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 have perfect they, they have perfect health, but they're living in extreme poverty. So they don't really even get to enjoy their health. And on the opposite spectrum, you have someone who has all the money in the world, but they're, they're dying and they have only a couple months to live. So are they able to enjoy their prosperity? 
So you, you, can, you can separate your life into all kinds of different compartments. And what we have to perfect is that we're, we're obeying the Word of God in each of those areas. Right? That we're making the right choices in each of those areas. I just wrote this down uh, as I was reading this scripture. And this is what I wrote. Life is lived on levels that are arrived at in stages. Life is lived on levels that are arrived at in stages. So there are different... I mean, in the natural, this is true. When you're an infant, when you're born, uh, if you stayed there, uh, that probably wouldn't be good. Right? I mean, if you, at the age of... 35 or still wearing a diaper, uh, pooping your pants, and mom needs to run over to change your diaper, there's a problem with that. That's unnatural. True? So even in, in natural development, there are stages or there are different levels. And that is true in our spiritual development. God doesn't want us to stay an infant or a baby all of our lives. The Bible talks about growing spiritually. God wants us to develop. He wants us to move from one level of spirituality to the next. And I understand when we use that word spirituality, we think of weird, ooey things. I mean, woo. But spirituality is just becoming more and more God-minded as we grow in God. Don't you want to be more God-minded? I mean, the Bible says in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says the natural man or the soul of a man cannot understand the things of God. He cannot discern them because they are spiritually discerned. So we can't, as we said during the offering, can't lean on our own understanding. You can't lean on your natural man. The Bible is not written to your mind. It's written to your spirit. The part of you that was born again. Right? There are three dimensions of man. There the, there's the innermost part of man, which is his spirit, or we refer to it as the heart of man. And that's the part of man that is born again, that experiences the new birth that experiences this, this dimension of redemption and righteousness and grace that we talk about. But then there's a, another layer of man called the soul. And the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. And the voice of that soul is human reasoning. And the problem is that you, you lived the majority of your life if you didn't grow up in a, in a Bible-believing church leaning and trusting in your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. You were governed by that. You were led by that. You made decisions based on emotion, situations. And then the outward man, the, 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 the flesh. Paul even said that in this flesh there is no good thing. This flesh wants to go uh, the way contrary to God. But so you have to understand that you, you have to begin 
to, to train your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions because it was educated through your body. It was educated in this world system. And now what you're doing is you're, when you were received the new birth, when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you're taking the authority away from the flesh and you're giving it to your spirit, to your inward man. And do you think that the devil is just going to let you have that? Do you think that the, the habits that have governed you for years are just going to release you the day that you get born again? No, you're going to have to put your soul into surrender and submission to God's Word. So life is lived on levels, and so God wants us to continuously progress from one level to another level. The Bible says that, that we go from faith to faith, from grace to grace, from strength to strength, and from glory to glory. So what does that mean? We shouldn't stay where we are. We shouldn't remain the same. 20 years shouldn't pass and you look the same as you did 20 years ago. We should be different. Our words should be different. The words that come out of our mouth should be different than they were before we were saved. Our actions should be different. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to do what? You're going to do my word. You're going to keep my commandments. You're going to find out what the word says. You're going to put the word into practice in your life. And listen, it's not some heavy burden that you have to bear. There is great freedom in obeying God. The devil would like you to believe that it's heavy, impossible. You're just not, you're, you're, you're just not uh, equipped that way. Your, your past is your past and, and it just, it, it's going to always get in the way. Then, then you don't really believe the Bible because the Bible says that if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Right? One translation says a new species. Something that's never existed before. That doesn't mean that the, the, the thing, the habits and, and the failures and the shortcomings and the person that you are just suddenly disappears. But now you've been given something on the inside of you that will enable you to overcome when we begin to cooperate with the Word of God. So life is lived on levels. I want you to see something here. Go to uh, Genesis. Genesis chapter 39. And... and I love this story because uh, 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 I think Joseph uh, is a person that, that all of us can relate with on one level or another. And we see here in Genesis 39, and let's just begin in, in, in verse 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, uh, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. Now, the, the kind of the background of this story is that uh, Joseph had a dream. 
and his dream was one of dominion, one of greatness. And he saw his brothers uh, bowing down uh, and, and, and honoring him and uh, submitting to him. And his, probably his mistake was that he went and told his brothers what he saw. So sometimes you have to be careful what you tell people that God shows you. Right? Have you ever done that? God talked to you or showed you something and, and you ran off and told somebody and they thought you were silly? Yeah. It's happened to me many times. So sometimes you just have to be careful who you share things with. Right? Bible says sometimes you have to take what God says and you have to hide it in your heart until the appointed time, until the time is right. So Joseph had this dream and he shared it with his brothers and, and they already hated him. They already didn't like him very much because he was the favorite son of Jacob. And so uh, 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 he shared this dream and it enraged them. And the Bible says that they hated him even more. So uh, one day the father sent Joseph out to check on his brothers. And uh, most of you know the story. They, they looked at it as an opportunity to destroy him. And so they threw him in a pit. They were going to kill him. But then they figured, you know, we can, we can obtain some financial gain. So we'll just sell him into slavery and tell our father that he was attacked by a wild animal. Right? So he's in a pit. The, the people pass by, the Ishmaelites, they sell him to them. So now we're, in, now, now we're here in Egypt. And uh, he's, he's been purchased as a slave in the home of Potiphar. And the Lord was with Joseph, verse 2, and he was a prosperous man. I think that's one of the most amazing scriptures in the Bible. It, 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 it sheds some light on God's perspective about us. Joseph has gone from the pit hated by his brothers. I mean, imagine what that does, does to you, that your brothers hate you so much that they really want to kill you, but they figure, you know what, we can make some money off of this doofus. So we're going to go ahead and sell him, get, get some, some money. What, what does that make you feel like? So he goes to Egypt, they strip him of everything he has, He's standing there naked. Potiphar purchases him. And God says, he is a prosperous man. Isn't that amazing? When God looks at you, he doesn't look at all of your circumstances. He doesn't look at all your failures and all of your shortcomings. He sees the man and the woman that He created you to be. I don't know about you, I, that, that's pretty exciting. He's not all caught up with all of your insecurities. He sees the person that He created you to be. So God says, Joseph, He's a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, verse 3, And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So we see now that God is blessing uh, Potiphar, 
for Joseph's sake. There's all kinds of levels here that we can get into. How many of you know that God can bless your employer for your sake? And it won't go unnoticed. Potiphar recognized that because Joseph was in his house, he was experiencing the blessing of God. And you can, you can believe and trust God that God's going to bless the people around you for your sake and it won't go unnoticed. And Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had put into his hand. And it came to pass from that time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had. And the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. So how many of you believe that this was Joseph's idea of dominion and greatness? Do you think that when Joseph measured where he was and what he saw in his dream, that they were the equivalent of one another? No. He's still a slave. I mean, he's, he's doing pretty good as a slave, but he's still a slave. He still doesn't have his own independence. He still can't live his dream. Now, on the other hand, you could get kind of satisfied with just being where he was. But he wasn't. So we see this, this beginning level in Joseph's life. But see, he had to press in further. And one of the ways that he did that is he had to keep his heart right. He had to keep bitterness and offense and unforgiveness and anger out. How many of you would not be able to move on in your life if your brothers did what they did to Joseph? Some of you are stopped dead in your tracks because of what someone did to you 20 years ago. And sometimes it's better, not sometimes, it's always better to get rid of the bitterness and the offense and the anger and push through the ceiling to the next level. Because it's better. It's greater. God doesn't want you to remain where you are. What I love about this story is that slavery could not alter the blessing of the covenant. No matter what man tried to do, whether it was his brothers, whether it was Potiphar, whether it was the thumb of his, whoever his enemy was, Nothing could suppress the blessing of God. When God called him blessed, he was blessed. As long as he kept himself in a position to receive the blessing. So you don't think that the devil is going to do everything he can to try to get you out of a position to receive the blessing of God. It's not just automatic. You got to keep yourself in a position. How many of you have ever had an opportunity to be offended? So there's about four truth 
tr people telling the truth and about 75 liars. But, you know, Pastor Dave always says, well, we're going to have a prayer line for liars after the service. How many of you have had the opportunity to be offended? Lift your hand. Yeah, everybody. So you're not greater than Jesus, right? Jesus said, in this life, you will have the opportunity to be offended. Right? And you know, you know what his disciples said? Increase our faith. Right? He said, well, the, the disciples were like, if, if we're not going to be offended, because we have a lot of opportunity to be offended, you're going to have to give us more faith. And what did Jesus say? You don't need more faith. You already have the faith you need. See, what we have to understand is that God has given us everything that we need to overcome in life. You don't have to add it to you. You don't have to go out and find it. I love what it says in, in, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. It says that you are complete in Him. Well, what does complete mean? What does complete mean? Whole? Nothing lacking? Right? We're complete in Him. Colossians 1.26 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, God put everything in you. He packed you full of Himself. There is nothing lacking. Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. There's hundreds of scriptures that declare and proclaim who you are in Christ Jesus. That you are a possessor of God's plans and God's purposes. You are a possessor of God's grace and His mercy and His loving kindness. Nothing lacking. Say, well, why, why do I have lack in my life then? Because really there, there are two, there's two sides. I love that the, uh, uh, E.W. Kenyon had a, had a teaching about the, 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 the two sides of righteousness, the two sides of faith, the two sides of redemption and righteousness. And he, he gives you a, a, an image or a picture of one of those old scales. You know the old scales were, were that you'd balance them with nothing on it? And then if you put, put uh, five, five pounds on one side, what happens? It, it goes down and the other one goes up, right? So, so when you got born again, God weighted the scale for you. He, he made a, a divine deposit on the inside of you. He changed you from the inside. There's no question that when you call upon the name of the Lord, you're saved, you're going to heaven. You've experienced eternal, everlasting life. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're completed in Him. But you've got to balance that scale. That's the legal side of redemption. You are legally purchased by God. And no one or nothing can do anything about that. But what does, uh, it says in Psalms, it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So 
It's important that our, our choices and our words cause what God did on the inside of us in our redemption to bring that to the outside, to a manifestation in our marriage, in our finances, in our physical body, in our friendships. God wants our redemption to touch every area of our life. That says in, in Hebrews that the blood of Jesus reconciles all things. Because of the blood of Jesus, He can reconcile a friendship, a marriage. He can reconcile your finances. He can reconcile the, the, the problems that are going on in your body. The blood of Jesus does that. So if you continue to read here in, in Genesis, you see that, that Joseph went from one level to the next. We see the same process in the life of David. David's a young, young boy, teenager. And the prophet comes to his father's house. And he's there to anoint the next king of Israel. And so obviously, uh, Jesse, the father of these sons... He goes, starts with the oldest. Maybe he was the strongest or the, the fastest or whatever. He looked at what he saw on the outside and he says, okay, come here, son. And the prophet said, nope. Brought the next one, nope. Next one, nope. One after the other, God rejected. Not because he didn't love them, not because he didn't like them, because they weren't the right one. Rejection doesn't always mean that you're not loved. So he gets through all the brothers, and the prophet says, okay, do you not have any other? He said, yeah, I have another one. But he smells. He's out with the sheep. He's just a shepherd boy. He's young. He doesn't know much. You know, really, prophet... All he really ever does is sitting around and plays his harp. I think he's a little weird. He said, I want to bring him, bring him here. And God spoke to the prophet and said, I, I don't look at the outside. I don't look at all the natural abilities and natural inclinations. I look at what's on the inside of that man. And you know what? When he saw David, when God saw David, he saw a man that was faithful to his father. He was faithful to his father's sheep. And he knew that if he, if he found a man who would be faithful to his father's house, he would be faithful to lead his nation. Now, how many of you know it didn't come easy for David? Everything didn't change that day. Just because God says something, just because God gives you a dream like He did Joseph, or just because God anoints you to do something today, doesn't mean that you're going to walk in the fullness of it right away. Right? So David's, David's anointed king. The first act after that is Goliath. Now, you think after doing something like that, boom, you go to the top. Nope. It made the king mad. And from that point on, King Saul did everything he could to try to kill David. 
David could have given up. But he knew there was another level. He's pushing to the next level. Right? He didn't give up. See, once you make a choice, you become the servant to that choice. Once you make a choice, you become a servant to that choice. When David accepted that, that, that anointing, that prophetic destiny, he became a servant to that choice. He had to make a decision to continue to move forward. Your choices in life are important. The things that you choose to do every day, they all have significance. And you have to understand, I'm not up here telling you that your choices in life determine whether God loves you or He doesn't love you. That's not even the subject. We don't even need to go there. You ought to know that God loves you, that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. We talked about maturing and growing up. I don't have to, I don't have to reinsure to my children every day that I love them. I tell them I love them all the time. But if I don't do it one day, Maddie's not thinking, hmm, I wonder if God doesn't love me or if the dad doesn't love me. He didn't text me, I love you. We ought to know this. God loves you. God has a plan. God has a purpose for your life. You know, if you don't like the life that you're living, then you have to change your choices. If you don't like the life that you're living, you might say, well, I don't like the cards that God dealt me. Really, where in the world did that come from? I mean, if you don't like religion, get rid of that thing that, you, that, that everybody said. I, I don't like the cards that God dealt me. No, God dealt you the best debt possible. He gave you everything that you need for life and life more abundantly. How many of you are familiar with John 3, 16? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That, that used to be the, the number one quoted scripture in the world. You, you turn on the Super Bowl, you turn on the World Series, you turn on the NBA Championship, there was somebody always standing there with John 3, 16. Remember that? I don't know if he's still there or not. But for years, when they would take uh, polls, sec even secular polls, John 3.16 was the number one scripture. You know what it is now? Judge not, lest you be judged. Hmm, interesting. Anyway, that's a side note. For God so loved the world, God so loved you, that He gave you His best. Listen, if God already gave you His best, it, do you really think that He would withhold anything else from you? He already gave you His best. 
So if you don't like the life that you're living, then you have to begin to change the choices. So the first choice that you made in your life, this new life, is becoming a follower of Jesus. And to surrender your life to Him. Have you, has everybody done that? You've, give, you've, you've become a follower of Jesus? You've surrendered your life to Him? In Romans chapter 10, you can turn there. Romans chapter 10. It says in verse 8, Romans 10, 8, For what saith it, the word is nigh thee, or near thee, even in your mouth and in your heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So your, your first choice to this new life is that you become a follower of Jesus, that you surrender your life to Him. And then secondly, you make a choice to walk and live differently than the world. We should look different than the world. We should talk different than the world. You know, I have a really good friend. I love him dearly. And when I first met him, uh, he was a, a, um, a backslider. And his mouth was foul. And uh, he drank way too much beer. And he wasn't, he, he wasn't um, making the right choices in his life. As a young, younger person, he made a choice to be a follower of Jesus and to surrender his life. But the choices that he was making were bringing destruction into his life. I had the opportunity to be his friend, to share with him on a lot of different levels. And I remember the day he made a choice, he made a decision that he was not going to do any of that. He was going to change the words that came out of his mouth. He was going to change his actions. And the, one of the reasons he did that is because he didn't want his kids to do what he was doing. Wasn't it a, a, a couple weeks ago, uh, Pastor Dave was talking about uh, heritage? I mean, what, what, are, what are we passing down to the next generation? At some point, you've got to reflect on that and say, do I want my children to do what I'm doing? Do I want them to talk like I talk, to live like I live, to make the same choices? Because you, you've heard the, the saying that parents would tell their kids, don't uh, uh, do what I say, not what I do. Well, it doesn't work that way, does it? Your kids don't do what you say, they do what you do. A lot of times they're a, a reflection of you. So we have to be careful, the choices that we make. Uh, jump over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. It says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not 
<clears throat> as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. So Paul, writing to Christians, a church in Ephesus, he says to them, they're born again, they've experienced a new birth, they've made a choice and a decision to follow Jesus and to surrender their life to Him. He said, don't, don't walk any longer like the world walks. I'm not, I'm not talking about being religious and haughty and prideful. I'm talking about simply living a life that is in, a, in obedience to God's Word. And there's nothing that we would ever uh, um, encounter in life that God doesn't have an answer to. It might be something as simple as putting a smile on your face at work when you don't want to smile. When everybody else is grumpy and frowning and talking about what they did on the weekend. and Sometimes you just need to put, put a smile on your face and they'll figure out that you didn't have such a bad weekend. Right? And even if you did, you don't have to talk about it. Right? You, you don't have to say everything that pops in your head. And now in our generation, you don't have to put everything that pops in your head on Facebook. Woo! You know, there's a, there's a story in the Old Testament. Remember the story of Jericho? Where the children of Israel were commanded by God to walk around the city? Right? And God says, I've given that city to you. And it, it was a big walled city. I mean, historians say that that wall was, was so wide that they would race chariots around the top of it. So when, when, when you're talking about a, a, a bunch of people who for nearly 500 years were slaves, and then they spent a, another 40 years in a desert, just kind of wandering around following fire in a cloud. They're they basically shepherds wandering in a desert. They were dependent upon God's provision. They weren't warriors. They weren't fighters. And God said, see that city? I've given it to you. It's yours. Can, can you imagine what they're thinking? So God says, I want, you to, I want you to walk around that city. But I don't want you to say one word. Why? Because he didn't want them to talk themselves out of it. Can you imagine people walking around that city if they, if they started talking? Woo, look at that wall. That's a big wall. God's crazy. What's he thinking? We're dead. Dead me. Walked around in silence. I think if God, God was talking to us today and, and He wanted to get something into our life, He'd probably tell you to not look at Facebook for seven days. Right? But our, our words are important because it, it, it determines some of the choices that we make. And we know the last day they walked around that city, they shouted, 
and the walls came crumbling down. Amen? So here in Ephesians 4.17, he says that we're not to walk like other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that, that's in them because of the blindness of their hearts, who being past feeling uh, have, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all the uncleanness with uh, greediness. It's talking about the Gentiles, how the Gentiles walk. But you have, but you have not so learned Christ if so be that you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man. Everybody say, put on the new man. Right? So you got to put it on. Put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So what does this tell us? That we have to make right choices, and the right choices, one of them is that we don't live like the world lives. Is there, is there pressure to do that? Absolutely. Satan, the God of this world, is continually trying to conform us to the, to the image of this world system. And we have to continually be doing what Paul told the Ephesians, put off the old man and put on the new man. Before you go to work, put on the new man. Put on the whole armor of God. Isn't it interesting? That even though we're born again, even though that we've experienced the goodness and the glory and the grace of God, that there is still a responsibility on each of us to put it on. To put on the armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the loin belt of, peace, the, the loin belt of truth, the gospel shoes of peace, and the sword of the Spirit. He says, you put it on and you take it up. You put on the new man which is created in, in righteousness and true holiness. That tells me that even though I'm a believer, even though I have something great on the inside of me, I still have to put something on. I still have to make the right choices. So your choices determine your conduct or your behavior, your character, and your destiny. So your life is composed of the choices you make. And be because I'm long-winded and, and didn't stick with my notes, you're not going to get to hear the second part of my message, that, that your life is, is composed of your choices and constructed by your words. Our words are important. Right? Choices and words. Your life is composed of your choices and constructed by your words. It says again in Romans chapter 10 verse 10, it says that, 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 that you believe unto righteousness and with the mouth 
confession is made unto salvation. See, our words should be in agreement with God's words. When you make the right choices, you're halfway there. But see, every single one of us, we have this in common. We're all building a house, which is our life. And the way we build that house is through our choices and our words. I love what it, I love what it says in, in, in uh, Proverbs 24. It says, it says that with wisdom a house is built, with understanding it is established, and by knowledge it's filled with pleasant and precious riches. How many of you want your house filled with pleasant and precious riches? Well, what are those pleasant and precious riches? Peace. Would, would peace be a pleasant and precious riches? To have peace in your home? To have peace in your marriage? To have peace in your family? How, how, about, how about having health in your body? Not having back pain and not having aches in your knees and, and in your elbows and in your wrists and getting rid of all those little creaky things in your body. Migraines and inflammations and all that garbage. Well, the Bible says that the, the, the word is health or medicine to all your flesh. I mean, if the, if the doctor told you to, to, take, uh, to prescribe to you to take a, a pill every day, would you do it? How many of you would do it if a doctor prescribed you a pill and said it would make your life better? Would you do it? Well, I'd hope you would. Why go to the doctor and hear what he has to say? But that's what amazes me. We'll go, we'll go to a doctor and we'll do what the doctor says most of the time. We'll go to a mechanic and we'll do what the mechanic says. Right? But then you, you come to church and you listen to the preacher and, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, don't then forget, get rid of the messenger and just look at the message. What does the message say? If you don't like the package, well, then go, go straight to the source. What does the source say? It says the word is medicine to your flesh. Right? So why, why don't we just go ahead and take these words and take our medicine? See, God wants to be involved in every area and aspect of our life. That's my message today. Right? And these words right here, it gives us the, the direction that we need to make the right choices. The right words. Proverbs 18 says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Matthew 12, 36 says that by your words you're justified and by your words you're condemned. Matthew says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, when, when, when I was a, a, a kid in school... Uh, when we would like learn the pre Pledge of Allegiance or we would uh, learn um, the, our multiplication uh, or division, we would call that learning by heart. I learned it by heart, right? Did you ever hear that term? We're going to learn it by heart. We're going to memorize it. But you know, a, a Hebrew says it a little bit different. They don't say learn by heart. They say they, they, they learn it by mouth. 
So when a young Hebrew boy who has to, ha has to memorize the Torah before they turn 12 years old, so imagine Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy memorized in their entirety before you were 12. And, and we think it's too hard for our kids to learn two times two before they're in third grade? Really? But see, they, 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 we would call that they learn it by heart, but, but they're learning it by mouth. In other words, they're just reciting it over and over and over again. Right? Psalm 45.1 says that my tongue is as the pen of a ready writer. Proverbs chapter 3 calls your heart a tablet. So how are you going to get the word on the tablet of your heart? Because we want to get them on our heart. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you can get those words written on your heart, what comes out? Those words. So you put garbage in, you're gonna, garbage is going to come out. But you put truth in, truth will come out. That's our goal. When to get the truth on the inside of us. When to get the word on the inside of us, because we do that, then all of a sudden we start making right choices. It becomes, it, it becomes in one sense, automatic. Could, could we say this, that, 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 if you, that if you eat right and you exercise daily, that losing weight will be easy? Is that true? If you eat right and you exercise. Now, I didn't say is eating right and exercise difficult. I'm saying if you eat right and exercise every day, will the weight come off easily? Yeah, it's not a trick question. But when you don't eat right and you don't exercise, guess what? You don't lose weight. But see, the eating right and the exercise is difficult. At least it is for me. I like food. How, how many of you like to eat? Uh, how many of you like to exercise? Look at how skinny you are. Of course you like to exercise. Oh, yeah, I can tell. Woo. All right, so, so we, don't, we, don't, we don't like to eat right, and we don't like to exercise, but we, be, we all want to be thin, right? We all want God's blessing. We all want to experience increase. We all want to push through and go from one level of glory to another. Right? But it's all this other stuff making the right choices, speaking the Word of God over and over again. When we don't feel like it, we would rather just sit and watch TV with a bag of Doritos. We don't really read my Bible. I'm so tired. I open it up and I can't keep my eyes open. Just stand on the side of the bathtub while you're reading. If you fall in, you're going to crush your head against the side. All right, stand up. Praise the Lord. I went way over. I don't get to preach very long, so I... Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lift your hands. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
Father, we thank you for all that you have done for each of us. You have moved so powerfully in our lives. You've blessed us. You've empowered us. You've prospered us. You've completed us. You have given us life, and you've given us life more abundantly. There is nothing lacking when it comes to your blessing and your provision in our life. And so my, my prayer today, Father, is that you would help each of us locate in our lives areas where we are not completely surrendered to you, where we're not completely sold out to you, where we can begin to make small changes and small adjustments so that we can make choices that's going to change the direction of our life. And so, Father, I thank you now for your grace, an ability that comes from heaven that strengthens each one of us so that we can stand victoriously in life, that we can stand victoriously in that area that has, ha, has seemed to dominate us. And I thank you, Father, that that same grace enables us to serve you acceptably, to serve you supernaturally, to fulfill our destiny and to live our dream. Father, we surrender to you. Our lives belong to you. And we, we, we make that commitment to you once again like we really ought to do every day. We commit to you. We belong to you. Our lives are yours. We trust in you with all of our heart. We lean not on our own understanding. In all of our ways, we acknowledge you and we ask you to direct our path. Show us the next step. Help us get to the next level. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, be blessed.